From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, here with us as well. And uh, really exciting tonight, uh, and... Uh, this is a, a new guest on Lighthouse, yes. so I've never been on before, but uh, we met Valerie uh, many, many years ago as we were sitting on the EFSP board, and we'd hear her come and, and uh, hear about these wonderful things that were happening, mm-hmm. and Valerie just has a, a special calling uh, to young people in our uh, in our city and in our county, we'll be talking to her in just a couple of moments. Some great things, so we want to make sure you stay tuned for that. Just a reminder, friends, if you'd like to find out about new opportunities to serve, check our website, www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy thingy <laughs> icon, and it'll take you right to the daily update page. Hey, before we go on, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of a Jesus freak who was ready for the worst. Pastor Lee knew he was being watched by the Chinese Public Security Bureau. He knew the risk of preaching at the house church, as he did every Tuesday. Pastor Lee had been arrested many times and beaten to the point where he vomited blood. Once he was beaten with his own Bible, He also knew Chinese citizens can be sent to labor camps for up to three years without a trial. So he was ready. He even had a bag packed with a blanket and extra clothing. Still he preached that night without fear. Sure enough, armed officers burst through the doors and arrested him. Lee was ready. Are you? Will you take a stand? Go online to persecution.com. And back with you here on Lighthouse Live. By the way, a special thank you to those of you who joined us at 6.30 in the morning for the sunrise service yesterday. And, uh, you know, um, it, it was truly a miracle that I'm even cogent at uh, 6.30 <laughs> in the morning. A little bit frozen yesterday, Much too, let huh? preach. It yeah. was cold out there, oh. wasn't it? But it did not rain. No. Yeah, God was good on that sense. one. Did not, did not rain. But uh, and, and Joe Reichert. Wow. wow, what, what a, a voice. Oh my Have you heard Joan Reichert sing, Valerie? I mean, oh. I'll tell you, what a gifted guy. Wonderful. Just, uh, we were in, truly in blessed. Incredible. That was a, Your that message was a and time. Joe's voice, it was just spectacular. Yeah, well, once a year I can preach at 6.30 in the morning, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd rather preach at 2 in the morning when I haven't gone to bed was, yet. You know, that's the... <laughs> well, we won't go there. Well, we won't go there. It was just an absolutely yes, spectacular yes, sunrise service. Time. Thanks to everybody who showed up, even Pastor Ross. Yeah, absolutely. And our thanks. 
thanks to uh, to Lakewood uh, yes. Memorial Park, mm-hmm. and it really is a beautiful setting right there above the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that for like thirty two, thirty five years. Yeah, um, you know, I think Ross was was involved in the early part. You know, around the time of the Ark. Well, before we get into more trouble, let's check with Bad Dacus in the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Pastor Hillary was ignored by the city of Rancho Cucamonga when he called to dispute the shutdown of his Friday night home Bible study. So he called PJI. And with the sudden nationwide negative publicity, Rancho Cucamonga changed its tune. Well, sort of. You see, an attorney for the city is still insisting that groups like house churches could still be subject to the draconian fines and policies of the city. With no codified definition of church, any religious gathering is potentially fair game for the city's code enforcer. Pray that this town's leaders see the light and are willing to adopt home church-friendly policies. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Time to check out our list of Volunteer Center of United Way's Lend-A-Hand opportunities for you to volunteer We have the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Northern California's MS Walk coming up, and ABC will be out there in full force. We have lots of our friends uh, going to join us this year. The goal is to have 500 registered walkers to rally for MS out at the Downey Park, and that's going to take place on Saturday, April 24th. Uh, This year, to join the movement, learn about MS, walk for support, and stay for the fun with the Sammy Liveron band and that Jazzy Jumpers thing that they've got going on out there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Volunteers age 15 and older are needed to assist with the setup decorations, greet participants, volunteer registration, breakfast, lunch. I wonder if dinner's... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Traffic (laughs) control, walker motivation uh, along the route... uh, Prize distribution, site breakdown, it's just going to be a a whole lot of fun going on out there. We'll have a table set up, and we're sure looking forward to meeting you out there as well. Uh, Individuals and teams invited to collect pledges and just walk for a world free of MS. The National MS Society addresses the challenges of living with MS through the 50-state network of chapters, uh, funds MS research, provides services to those with MS, professional education and advocacy efforts, and we hope that you will join us. And if you need any more information, you can always give us a call here at ABC because we have some information for you as well. Uh, Tis the season for walks. Uh, The March of Dimes also walking uh, Saturday, April 24th, and this will be at Grisada Park in Modesto also. Saturday, May 15th at Weber Point Event Center in Stockton. Volunteers ages 15 years and older needed at all events. Uh, to act as human sign guides and to serve refreshments. Also sign up at www.marchforbabies.org. And if you have any strength left after all that walking, (laughs) the 18th annual Sierra Vista Golf Tournament, uh, offering a good day of golf, food, and fun while supporting abused 
neglected and emotionally disturbed children and families in crisis. Volunteers ages 21 year, years and older uh, needed to help out with games, special hole contests, uh, set up and drawing items. That would be a special hole in one, I would imagine. I'm not a golfer, as you can tell. Um, refreshments uh, between 10 and 5 volunteers ages 18 and older uh, needed to help out with set up and player registrations between 7 and noon. Uh, helping to clean up and tear down and uh, all of those things on the course there. The six-person handicap scramble registration opens at 10, and so that should be lots of fun as well. So if you have uh, any questions on any of these items, Barbara Borba is uh, the one to contact at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her at bborba at uastand.org. And uh, ABC needs volunteers who wish to uh, help a couple who lost most of their belongings in an electrical fire. Mm. And thank God they didn't lose their lives. Uh, they need full-size beds and blankets, a washer, an electric dryer, microwave oven, some dishes and linens, and many thanks to the American Red Cross and some others who are helping them out also. Uh, we have a paralyzed woman in need of a washing machine. She has a caregiver who can do her laundry for her, but it's piling up at the moment, kind of like mine at home, but we won't <laughs> go there. And if you want to uh, have some hands-on kind of stuff going on like Mr. Owl does, uh, we have uh, Sister Spence who has fallen and uh, needs some help shoring it up. Give us a call and we'll connect you with this opportunity to serve as well. And we love the way you love your neighbors as you love yourselves. Amen. Give us a call at 209-544-9571 and we'll connect you with those opportunities to serve. You know, friends, another opportunity that's coming up, and this is kind of an exciting new thing that uh, has, has just uh, cropped up for us through our relationship with the Office of Emergency Services yes. here in Stanislaus County. Uh, we uh, will be helping... Uh, train people and staff the Emergency Volunteer Center. And this is a critical thing during disasters. The Emergency Volunteer Center receives volunteers who would like to help, uh, both those who are what we call convergent or spontaneous volunteers who just decide, hey, you know, I have, I have a hand, I can help. Uh, we ask you to leave your, your chainsaws at home, though, and, <laughs> and until we ask for them first, okay? But a lot of people show up and, and they want to help. And a, a, a well-managed volunteer center is, is much needed during those times to make sure that uh, volunteers uh, receive their uh, property, uh, proper deputization, as we, as we call it, to become disaster service workers and get processed correctly and are assigned to uh, tasks that really fit their skills. What we're looking for are people who would like to work in the Emergency Volunteer Center, those people who would like to be staff people. In other words, you would be uh, processing volunteers uh, through the center, uh, helping them get registered, uh, helping them with any questions. A really, really you know, a neat program, and it's one of those things where you've got to get it set up way ahead of time yes. because if you wait until the disaster hits, it's chaos with a capital C, whereas, <laughs> as in the case of Maxwell Smart, a capital K, if you remember that. <laughs> That, uh, that show. Right? I was kind of dating myself. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so if you're interested in, in working as a staff member in the Emergency Volunteer Center, there is some training that is uh, provided and it'll be free to you. Give us a call, 209 544 9571. It's 209 544 9571. And we'll be happy to sign you up 
and uh, look forward that. to uh, you partnering with us in the Emergency Volunteer Center. We kind of love volunteers here. You, you kind of get that idea. <laughs> and uh, we truly enjoy connecting people to what they are passionate and doing uh, in life. And, and tonight, as we, we said, this is a first here uh, on Lighthouse Live, and, and we are thrilled uh, to be able to welcome the lady who oversees it all at the Hutton House uh, in Modesto, and, and we just gladly and, and warmly welcome uh, the manager of the Hutton House, Valerie Thompson, with open arms. Welcome uh, to Lighthouse Live, Valerie. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. Oh, we're so Great glad. to have you with yes, us. Yes, and, and, and you volunteered. We were talking uh, earlier. You uh, actually did quite a bit of volunteering before uh, before the button the, the button house the <laughs> volunteering at the Hutton House. <laughs> Say that <laughs> fast. I'm ten not times, going to do. No, no, That's no, your no, radio no. test, radio <laughs> announcer <laughs> test. I <Perfect>. flunked. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, take us back before the Hutton House, uh, Valerie, because you did your share uh, of volunteering before that, and and what led you to that? Because we were talking also, you know, it takes a real compassionate person to do all the things, all the many varied things that you do. At the Hutton House. What led you to that? Well, I think my parents were the initial impetus for that. Um, as a child growing up, they stressed volunteering. And in fact, um, growing up in Oakdale, my dad believed that hard work was good for people. And mm. over the years, we had 22 different foster brothers growing wow. up. And wow. my dad would take those young boys who had gotten themselves into some legal trouble and bring them out to the ranch. And the little hard work never killed anybody is what he had to say. Mm. And uh, so I think that's really what got us started. All, all the um, My sisters are all involved in volunteer work and, and that kind of thing. Cool. So I started doing volunteer work in high school. I was involved with the um, student leadership and this, the S Club, which was a service club. And so that was really my very official beginnings in volunteering. And it just kind of went through the years. I um, went to college in San Francisco and did some volunteer work there and uh, eventually became a high school teacher and had gone back to school and missed the kids a lot after six years of teaching high school mm. and uh, decided I needed to volunteer somewhere. So I found this little program in Modesto called Hutton House. And so I started there in 1987 as a volunteer. Now, you were saying that before it was the Hutton House, it was actually something... Well, Hutton House is part of the Center for Human Services, uh -huh. which is a, a large organization, a private nonprofit organization. And initially, the Center for Human Services was called Headrest. Mm. And we were created as a an effort to help drug addicts come in off the streets in Modesto. Right. And back in the early 70s, the drug of choice tended to be heroin. So there was a mm. lot of heroin withdrawal and, and that kind of thing. And that's kind of where the agency got its start. Mm. And over the years, we've grown and developed and, you know, still certainly focusing in, in many arenas on drug and alcohol addiction, but have expanded greatly since that point in time. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that you talked about your father mm -hmm. and uh, the way that he kind of inculcated you into mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, giving back mm -hmm. is one of the greatest things that you can, that you can do. Talk to, I mean, you, you have so many kids that you have just incredibly impacted mm -hmm. over many, many, many years. Uh, talk about the importance of, uh, of, of teaching our children that, uh, you know, giving back is, is not just something that you do when you have time, but th right. this is something that, that needs to be part of our, our DNA. Right. It, it, it's instilled in, in many children, and luckily, and 
you know, Leo Basculi, who's a great philosopher and thinker, talks about the it's only two ways to really feel better about yourself, and one is to learn something new, or two is to do a mitzvah, do something good for someone else. And, you know, I found that to be true in my life, and I, you know, try to teach that to others because it does make you feel better. When you're doing something good for somebody else, mm-hmm. you just feel better about yourself. You know, so many of our volunteers tell us that. <laughs> they Absolutely. go out and they're blessing other people by doing, you know, good acts of service and the community, they come back and they say, you know what? We were the ones that were blessed. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, the greatest thing that you can have is appreciation. And, you know, mm. probably the best reward I ever got in all my years at Hutton House was the simple thanks. Mm. A kid looked mm. me in the eyes and said, you know, thank you. And it was like, it really moved me because it was so heartfelt and he was so appreciative of the help that he was getting. And so I think in volunteering and in employment, you certainly have many, many opportunities to help people in that kind of way. You know, uh, Valerie, I served in, in law enforcement in Southern California back uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh-huh. and uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. And, you know, when you had a runaway, when you, when you had uh, a kid that was just hitting the wall and, and, you know, there was a, you didn't want to send them back home because that was not going to be a good scene. There was a thing we called a soda bed at that time where you might be able to to get them in, but it was basically all it was was a place to stay uh-huh. and uh, and not, not a lot of future there, not not a lot of help. What, what you do is so significant. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the tremendous resource that the Hutton House is. We're going to have more questions later on, but give us a thumbnail sketch of what the Hutton House is and, and uh, what you do there. Well, it's a short-term crisis intervention program. We house um, up to eight children at a time while we intervene in their crises. We provide individual group and family counseling. Our goal is to get the kids back home in situations where that's possible, not always possible, and to provide the support services to make that happen. So in a nutshell, we're kind of like an emergency room. Pick them up, brush them off, kind of assess what you know may be the critical issues, and then refer them out for longer-term services. What's taken 14 or 15 years to develop into an issue is not going to be fixed mm. in the average eight or nine days at Hutton House. It's going to take a longer period of time. But we can be the start. We can be the, the, the beginning of some kind of a road to recovery. So you really uh, t- take not just the individual child, but you're looking at the whole picture, the house, the family, uh, all those different influences, and, and, and really, I don't know if treating is the right, but addressing yes. uh, each aspect of their life. Absolutely. Each child is, is a significant part of a larger whole, which is a family. And so we can work with only the youth, but it really works best if we can work with the family because mm-hmm. when there, a change needs to be made, it needs to be based on a family system you know, willing to work with the child, making whatever change that, that is. And often it's the family that, you know, really has the critical issues that's impacted the child in a way that the child ends up running away or being in some sort of crisis. Sure. How do they find you, Valerie? Is it usually the child, the family? How does it, and it's probably varied answers it's on that. It's a, a real variety of ways, but probably about 25% of our referrals come through law enforcement. Mm-hmm. An officer's been involved in, you know, some kind of a situation and makes the referral. About 25% of the kids just happen to know about us. They don't remember how they know, but they know. Word of mouth, maybe their yeah. friends or something. Yep. About 25% are referred into us by some of the social service organization. And then about 25% are parents that have been phone hopping and not really, you know, just looking for some kind of solution and somehow come across our name. Mm. Now, is, is Hutton House fairly unique in terms of the services that you provide? Very unique. We are the only shelter um, that serves that population, 13 to 17-year-old 
between Stockton and Fresno. Wow. There's nothing wow. in the foothills, mm-hmm. and there's nothing until you get up into the Bay Area. So we're serving, you know, a big area right around this, you know, Stanislaus County. 90% of our services last year went to Stanislaus County clients, um, 8% to outlying you know, the outlying communities, and then 2% were from kids that were from out of state. If you're from Illinois and you're running away, you're probably not headed to Modesto. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) You know, we get a lot of kids that are running away, and they're going to San Francisco, L.A., Santa Cruz. You know, the kids that end up running away to come to Modesto are either coming looking for a parent, they've last heard that mom or dad was in this area, or they've heard that... Or they were traveling through and got themselves into some sort of legal trouble mm-hmm. and got picked up by law enforcement while they were, you know, moving on through. So you, you actually serve several different counties. Yes. Wow, in the, in the Central Valley. But mostly, mostly Stanislaus County. Right. And uh, as, as you look at the children that are coming in, what, what is the, is there a predominant issue that they're, that they're dealing with or is it uh, across the board? Well, there's a lot of issues. Most of the kids are dealing with some kind of, Abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, mm. or neglect. Yeah. They've had some kind of abuse at some point in time in their life. About 45% of our kids are assessed to being chemically addicted. Mm. About 50 or 60% of the kids come from families that have addiction problems. We see a lot of mental health issues within the family that then impact the, the teens. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, often the teens develop mental health issues of their own. Generational. Generational stuff. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of depression with these young people. And uh, so it's it's kind of across the board, all kinds of issues. Every once in a while, it's a real simple issue, like somebody came home late. <laughs> you know, that happens every once in a while. But mostly, they're pretty complex issues that have created um, problems. A lot, and a lot of stuff around teenagers, you know, a- acting out, trying to become independent from their families. And, and that's a real struggle for families. Mm-hmm. And some people don't quite get that that's kind of the teenager's job. You know, to uh, to try to create a personality of their own and to become independent, and for some families, that's a real struggle. Yeah, sometimes that transition just uh, creates a lot of heat. In Absolutely. Home, yeah. And so they run away and they come to you, and you can a lot of times get the families back together and talk this out, and they go home that's, and everybody's happy. That's exactly what we try to do: is to get them in the same room to really address and talk about the issues that are that are you know perplexing the family. Um, we have a very short time to work with them, so it's all about hurry up, get in here, let's sit down and talk today. But sometimes families need a little bit of time to, apart to, to kind of cool off, calm down from whatever the critical issue may have been. If it's a situation where an officer's gone out and the, there's been so much turmoil in the home that the officer suggests the child leave for a while, you know, you may need a little time to let things settle before you go, go to start to address those things. Once again, Valerie, uh, once intake occurs, how long can the child stay? Um, the maximum stay is normally of about 15 days. We're averaging about eight and a half days per child now. In some rare circumstances, it could be extended a little bit longer if there was some kind of a plan. Say they were going to go to a treatment program or they were going to go move with their dad out of state and, and they need a little more time, we could do that. Mm. Do you work with juvenile hall systems and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Juvenile hall, probation, child protective services. We work very, very closely with all those folks. What about the gang activity, Valerie? Do you see, does that 
play into Absolutely. what happens at the house. Many of our kids are either gang affiliated or may actually be gang members, and mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work with those kids. They have the same kinds of issues of, mm -hmm. as other kids, mm -hmm. but then you add the gang involvement on top of it, and that makes it a little bit more complex. So we'll have kids from rival gangs at, at Hutton House at the same time. Wow. And uh, how do you resolve that conflict? We tell them you don't. Nobody wears any colors here. We're all purple. So all into the red and blue. So Purple's the we're new purple. Game color exactly. <laughs> and so you know, it's often a struggle. And and then the kids in Hutton House become friends with kids that they would never associate with in the outside world. Mm -hmm. You know, and and they're amazed at who they can be friends with once they sit down and they listen to each other and realize they're all struggling with you know similar problems and, right. and similar kinds of issues. Well, that, and that's an interesting uh, thought when you get you know kids from different backgrounds, maybe different areas uh, together. Uh, what, what happens as they interact? Is uh, I mean, I would imagine that that's a kind of a special thing in and of itself, right? Sometimes good things happen, and sometimes, sometimes not bad. such good things happen. <laughs> so it's always interesting, it, it, you know. And the kids are ages thirteen to seventeen, and there's a lot of difference between some thirteen-year-olds and mm. some seventeen-year-olds. So you've got this big age difference, and you've got kids that are from any kind of background you can imagine. So they're all so different and so varied that it's just it's. Interesting. That's to yeah. say the least. They um, they they have common problems, but their problems are also different. Often, what they'll they'll come away with is, man, maybe I don't have it so bad. Mm. Wow. You know, That's maybe maybe what I'm struggling yes. with isn't that critical. Hmm. You know, mom and dad won't let me go out and stay out till midnight. Maybe oh. that's not a big deal. When I'm looking at these kids, where you've got a family where five or six people are living in a garage and have no electricity, maybe I should rethink. Yeah, maybe I need to be a little more appreciative for what I do have. So, Valerie, how do you keep peace and order in the house? What what's the what's the system? Well, we have we have some very specific rules that are always followed, and we're very very consistent. Kids can follow rules, and we'll deal very well with rules if there's consistency and follow through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, anything that's illegal in the outside world is very illegal at Hutton House. So if you hit somebody, we're going to call the police. And, you know, so we just have to be really assertive with, with what behavior is okay and what behavior is not okay. And to stop the negative behavior as soon as it starts. Because if they get away with it once, you're in deep trouble. Now, is that consistency usually an issue at home? Is that Always. often a cause... Oh, always a consistency at home. So that's it's, something you talk to the parents about. Absolutely. It's funny because if you, if you work with the family long enough, you want to do a family contract, you know, you want to set up some rules and expectations that apply to both the parent and the child. It's family rules. It's not just rules for the kids, but it's rules for everybody. And so you'll ask the parents, you know, what do you want? And you ask the kids, what do they, you want? And the kids will sometimes say, I just want to know what the rules are. Mm. I just want to sit down to family dinner once a week together. Wow. Mm. You know, sometimes they ask for really simple things, and you get really, very surprised by the things that kids are asking for. They like the structure. Mm -hmm. Do the parents find that uh, surprising? They're very surprised. They'll say, well, how would you get him to do chores? How come he goes to school every day when he's in your program? Because if he doesn't go to school every day, I tell him, you cut school tomorrow, I'm going to school with you, and I'm sitting in class with you. And I do it. I go to school, and I sit in their classes with them. They really don't want me going to school. Except one little girl, she loved it. She said, come on, I want to lend it to my friends. I said, oh, this plan's not working. <laughs> but it's a commitment on my part to follow through and do what I say sure, I'm going to do. Because sure. yes. yes. if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then I have no, you know, 
power with those kids because they don't believe you. So, so they you, want that commitment. Absolutely. They want that follow through. Absolutely. They truly desire the dis- absolutely. discipline, don't they? They do Valerie? desire discipline. Yes, they they that makes them feel comfortable. They'll test it. They'll push it. But they want to back right up to it and feel the comfort of it, giving them some, mm. you know, direction. And, you know, and then a lot of the kids come in and they're, they're detoxing from drugs and they're mm. having a really hard mm. time. So they'll often fight the rules in the system. But if they, they've got to have some desire to want to quit. Right. You know, if you come in and you're only there because someone's forcing you to be there, they may not be ready. And so what they'll learn from us is that this is the place I can go when I'm ready and I really do want the help if I'm not ready for it now. So we'll get kids back often several times, you know, once they decide that they do want some kind of help or support. Yeah, how many do uh, come back? And I'm not talk- and I want to talk about those that may come back to help others in, in a few moments. But uh, how many do you have coming back who just, man, it just didn't work out there. I got to come back and get another dose of this. Probably about 25% of our clients in a year mm-hmm. are returning clients. Uh-huh. And so every kid, when they leave, they have what's called a treatment plan, the circumstances under which they could come back, what we expect for them to work on while they're gone, what, you know, what their hopes are, what, what, you know, where they're hoping to travel once they leave hut and house stores. But we follow them. We, we have a 10-week parenting class that they can go to, and we can see them six times after they leave hut and house for short-term counseling. And uh, they can always come back to our drop-in crisis counseling or the phones there 24-7, and they can call as much as they need mm-hmm. to. That 25%, would that be comparable to, like, the recidivism rate in the institutions that come back? Possibly. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't know much about other programs other than, yeah. you know, what our recidivism rate okay. is. And I, I would imagine a lot of those, uh, th- that ability to hold the line, uh, Valerie, dates back, having come from a family of teachers to your mm-hmm. high school uh, teaching, uh, I, I would imagine that really prepared you uh, quite Absolutely. well for this, right? My mom was really, you know, rules and consistency and follow through. And we lived on a 100-acre ranch, and there wasn't one blade of grass out of place on our ranch when we grew up. So I think that, you know, I probably <laughs> learned something about consistency and follow through with her. And it's, it's something that we really do work on at Hutton House. Now, do you have uh, uh, clients that, uh, and, and what do you call Do you call them clients? Clients. clients. Mm-hmm. What, or the kids. I know I'm not supposed to call them kids. Kids is okay. They're the kids. Oh, your kids. And yes. <laughs> do you have them, uh, ha- having come in as a client, do you have them returning uh, eventually maybe to help others? Absolutely. We're very fortunate enough right now to have a young lady named Jill who works for us. And she was a client at Hutton House about 10 years ago. So they do come back. Absolutely. We have many that have come back as volunteers and, you know, many that I see out working in, you know, different arenas in the community. And, you know, when you run into one of your kids, you just feel so proud of them that they've been able to, you know, pull it together and do the things that they need to do to become healthy, productive citizens. Valerie, we are so blessed to have you here with us tonight. We've got much more with Valerie uh, from the Hutton House here. We're hearing lately from a guy sweeping our nation, young and older believers alike, with his songs, Toby Mack tonight, Love is in the House, on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back. I said love is in the house, and the house packed. So much so, I let the back door crack. But mama always said, it's a matter of fact, that when love is in the house, the house is packed. Love is in the house and the house is packed So much so I let my back door crack And daddy always said it's a matter of fact That with love is in the house, the house is packed 
Houston, come on, Gabriel, give him something special tonight. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. Now cut it up like a DJ. Now Toby Mac and love is in the house. That's great. Hutton House, that is you such a, bet. That's Valerie, a cool song Valerie Thompson and awesome. the Hutton House with us and love in the house. And Valerie talking a little bit about your family during uh, the song. And uh, you had a wonderful growing up with 22 foster sisters. Brothers. Brothers. All boys. All boys. All boys. Okay. I got that just turned around. Yeah. All boys. All My boys. goodness. Brothers. No wonder you fend it for yourself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah, we talked. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you kind of see how the DNA was building over the years, yes. you know, to, to, uh, to equip you to do what you're doing. Uh, beyond that, what have you done to prepare yourself for this incredible role? I mean, this is just a, uh, an outstanding place to be and a, and a, and a great resource. Uh, how, how in the world did you prepare yourself for this? Well, I was I was fortunate enough when I got out of um, college, I applied to um, a lot of schools in Northern California, and I was very fortunate to get a job on California's second largest Indian reservation, Round Valley. Mm-hmm. And so I went up and I taught at that high school for six years. And it was a very small high school. I was mostly the social studies department and the PE department and the homemaking department. (laughs) So I had a variety of experiences um, in the six years that I spent there, and I think that really prepared me for for where I was going. I didn't know where I was going, but I I realized as a teacher that the kids were struggling with things in my classroom where 
U.S. history and world history was not so important to them. They loved my health class where we talked about family life education and we talked about drugs and we talked about alcohol and they really liked that. And so I just thought that there has to be a different way to help kids than what I was doing as a classroom teacher. So that's when I went back to school to get my counseling credential. You found your niche, so to speak. Yeah, and you so when I calling. was in the school getting doing that, I missed the kids, and I was working in private industry at that point in time. And uh, I said, I just need to go volunteer somewhere. And as soon as I found Hutton House, mm-hmm. I went, oh, this is absolutely That's wonderful. It. That's it. And so the opportunity there to really impact kids was, was exactly what I was looking for. So I was fortunate. All those things just fell into place very nicely for yeah. me. Yeah, and and you've been at Hutton House since it was in 1987. Since 1987, wow. I started wow. as a volunteer in '87, and then they hired me very shortly thereafter. You have a compassion, Valerie, for what you do, and you look forward in the morning to getting up and going. Most to mornings, work. I look forward yes. to going to work. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. That's, That's so sure. important, don't you think? Absolutely. That you love what you do. Absolutely. Yes. Now, obviously, you can't do it all alone. Uh, talk about to your. Your staff and and, uh, how they're equipped and and your team over there at Hutton House. We have a fabulous team at Hutton House. Um, We have what are called shelter staff, and there are five and a half people who come in, and they're the mom and pop, and they really take care of the kids and run the place, and they're the ones in the know. So they do 12-hour shifts where they do everything from cook and clean and supervise the kids and answer the crisis line, and they really really run the show. The crisis line, is that a 24-hour 24-hour day crisis Valerie? line. Okay. We always have somebody that's willing Good. to take a call. And, Why don't we uh, give out that number yes. while we're at it? Okay. It's uh, 209-526-5544. And there are three lines that go into there, so you should never have a problem with getting in to be able to talk to somebody. Who can call that line? Anybody. Good. Anybody. Good. Again, that number, friends, 209-526-5544. 209-526-5544. So our shelter staff are the, the ones that are there 24-7 with the kids, and then we have a full-time counselor and a program coordinator and myself. But all three of us do the counseling and, you know, do a little bit of everything. And then we have a wonderful crew of volunteers. Um, some people, Frank, has just been with us for 14 years, I believe. He comes in every Wednesday or Thursday evening and takes the kids out to AA meetings and sometimes runs a meeting of his own there and, Sneaks an ice cream or two for the kids on the Ooh, way. Oh boy! <laughs> so <laughs> he's been been uh, are with us for a long time, and we have some you know other fabulous volunteers who really come in and say what needs to be done, and you never know from day to day what needs to be done. Sure. Well, w- walk us through, uh, say a, a teenager uh, man. The, the home situation is bad, and there's a crisis there, and maybe even some danger in going back home. They come to you. Take us through the process. What are they going to do uh, when they first arrive? And then what, what's going to happen over that maybe a f- 15-day period if they stay the whole time? Well, initially, when they get there, they may come with their parent or they may come unaccompanied. And then the um, intake staff will sit down with them and spend about an hour, an hour and a half initially doing a short assessment and then filling out the paperwork to uh, complete their intake. And really, can we provide the level of care that they need, and does it make sense for that child to be Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. And for 99% of the people we see, it does. And so then um, immediately we try to hook them up with one of the other kids so they meet a friend, they get comfortable, because it's kind of scary going to some house where you don't know where you're going and you're dealing with adults you don't know. And so then they'll get involved with the kids. We... If the family did not come in with them, we'll immediately call the family. 
because no parent should have to worry about whether their child's right. safe or not. Yes. Um, we will seek parent permission because the parents retain all the rights to their kids while they're in the program. Mm -hmm. And then we try to encourage the family to work with us to take part in our um, counseling services. So a typical weekday, the kids are up. Um, if they can go to school, they go to school. Uh, if they're from Modesto and they can take the city bus, it works pretty well. If they're from, you know, Patterson, it may be a little more difficult. We'll contact the schools, get packets for them. Um, so in-house, we have an in-house educational program every day from 9 to 11.30. And it's usually they're watching videos or um, reading magazines or reading the newspaper, some kind of an organized educational activity. Because they're all on such different levels in terms of where they are educationally, mm -hmm. um, a lot of it's around discussion and that kind of thing. And all the videos have to do with drugs and alcohol, self-esteem, family roles, bullying, all kinds of that kind of stuff. Um, as the day goes on, the counselors will be doing individual counseling with the kids, meeting with the families, talking with social workers, you know, dealing with whoever is involved in that family's case. As the afternoon rolls around, we get involved in some recreational activities. We take them off-site, do some on-site things with them. Every day at four is a group and group. Um, we have some very specific topics from drugs and alcohol to domestic violence to healthy body, healthy images. used to be eating disorders, but now we call healthy bodies, healthy images. Um, we take them out to AA meetings and Narcotics Anonymous meetings. We have an in-house Alateen program. Dinners at 5, chores are at 6, getting ready for bread and homework at 7, phone times till 8. And then by 9 o'clock, it's all about starting getting ready to bed, and everybody's in bed by 10. Mm. And so we try to get a routine, stick to the routine, follow the routine, and try to, you know, get the families and the, and the kids back together to, to identify, you know, what they need to work on. You know, we, we look at some of the major challenges in education today, and, and I think one of the things that I, I, I hear you addressing, although we haven't said it specifically, is it's very hard for a kid to sit there and learn what a quadratic equation is when they're being beat up at home. You know, when, when parents may be on drugs or, or they're on drugs. I mean, it's, you, you got to treat the kid where they are and Absolutely. with what the issue is before we can even get to that other stuff, right? Right. If their mind's off on something totally different than school, we need to try to figure out how to get them back to a spot where they can focus on school. Mm -hmm. And if you're being, you know, neglected or abused or abandoned or whatever at home or being bullied on the streets or being bullied at school, it's really hard to focus on, you know, educational issues. We believe kids need to go to school. We think that's their job. And so if they're equipped to go to school, they need to go to school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And a lot of families haven't made school a priority. So, often kids are not enrolled in school. And so we often work with trying to get them enrolled in school. And of course, if they, if they have medical issues, you, you attend to those Absolutely. As well. We work with the health clinics right. and, and their primary care physicians and try to meet their medical needs. A lot of needs around dental issues and mm -hmm. hearing yes. issues and basic medical things that you know just tend to get neglected. The dental mm -hmm. issue is just incredible. Yeah, you know, it's something you, you don't normally think about, but uh, I imagine, especially in some of the uh, lower-income areas in our in our city, that that just is one of those things Absolutely. that doesn't get addressed. I, I mean, can't tell you how many kids I've seen in the last couple of years who would not go to school because their teeth were so messed up and they were oh so goodness, ashamed of how they yes. looked mm. that they wouldn't go to school because kids make fun of them. Mm. Oh, mm -hmm. that's sad. Yeah. Now, Valerie, is any sad. cost to the family for, for no, this? No, we're 
absolutely no cost whatsoever. Mm -hmm. All our parenting classes and our support groups and everything is at no cost to families. Now we know, of course, that there are costs to run the Hutton House. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> so how does all that happen? Well, our, our, we have probably 11 different funders right now. Our biggest funder is the federal government. They have the Runaway and Homeless Youth Act. Okay. And so we're mostly largely funded through them. Some state and local money comes in, um, City of Modesto, FEMA, Emergency Food and Shelter Grant, um, Community Development Block Grants, United Way, donations, a little fundraising, it all. It all helps, doesn't it? It all helps. And, and people, can you take donations for oh, the sure. home? Um, we take donations mm -hmm. all the time. We, we get lots of donations around clothing and personal hygiene right. items. and Because all those things are needed. Right. I mean, you don't run a household right. without things. I mean, you have We to housed have 270 things. kids last year. Wow. And we saw an additional 553 kids and all of those kids needed things like toothbrushes and clothing and, you know, they all So need these that are things stuff. that people who are listening, you know, Absolutely. Can, can help out with. And how can they do this? How can Just they call Hutton House and okay. say, this is what I have for you. And that number again? 526-1623. You know, and, and people sometimes mistakenly think that Hutton House has a, a hidden address or we don't want people to know. We absolutely want people to know where we're at. We're very, very public. Oh, that's wonderful. And there's no secretiveness about our location. They get us sometimes confused with the Haven. How do you go about getting your volunteers, and is there a process that you put them through, and do you need more volunteers, Valerie? Always need more volunteers because wonderful things happen with volunteers. The kids love volunteers because they're the extra, the fun, the, the, the light, you know, at Hutton House because when there's an extra body there, then good things happen. Mm. Um, and so the Lend a Hand that you had read earlier, yes. we often advertise the Lend a Hand. It's in the newspaper. We send out flyers to all the universities and try to encourage people to, to volunteer that way. Once they are um, interested in volunteer, we do interviews, and then they have to go through a clearance process. They have to be yes. cleared by the state and by the Good. FBI and all that yes. stuff. Okay. They get um, 15 hours of training. They have to have a first aid card, and then they can start volunteering at Hutton House. So it's a bit of a process. It's a bit yes. of a commitment. When we ask mm -hmm. people to really look at making a one-year commitment, it's a little costly to get people trained and to get people cleared. Mm -hmm. So we'd really like a commitment. Some people, I need 40 hours for this. And those probably aren't the best volunteers for Hutton House because it's going to take 40-plus hours just to get ready to go. Right. Right. And it's hard to get back what you probably would best you know, learn from in 40 hours at Hutton House. Well, Valerie, over the years, I imagine that the, there's some wonderful stories that have uh, come out of Hutton House. And, uh, of course, we do, you know, we don't even need to use any names, uh, or, or you can change them if you want. But give, give us a kind of a, a, an insight into some of the cool things that have happened over the years to young people coming through your doors. Well, it, there's a lot of cool things that have happened. A lot of our volunteers have ended up being very cool things. To watch mm -hmm. those young people come in and volunteer in my program and then to to uh, go out into the community and see them out. There's probation officers and wow. social workers, and mm. that's been a very cool thing about Hutton House that I never really expected to happen. But, you know, with the kids, a kid that can make it two days without using marijuana, that's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. When they've come in and they've used marijuana every day for six months, mm. you know, just small steps towards where they want to go. We had a young lady that came in and, her uh, and her four sisters had been left by mom with grandma. 
And we're seeing a lot of grandparents mm-hmm. that are trying yes. to parent their children oh, yeah. and yes. grandchildren. And, you know, it, it's a lot of work to parent your own children, much less your grandchildren. And so this woman had five five girls, and the oldest one came in, and she was really very much a mess, and she was drinking about a quarter of vodka a day mm-hmm. as a 15-year-old. And uh, she got involved with us, and she just blossomed. She quit drinking. She got involved in our youth development program. Mm-hmm. She had an opportunity to travel for three months across the United States um, doing assessments on juvenile halls as a teenager through a special program we got her involved with. She uh, recently got her nursing degree and some kind of a, an artistic photographer degree from MJC and recently had a big art show over there. Wow. And so has That's just awesome. done fabulous. You know, and she came in as a little girl with just mm-hmm. so many challenges and she just rose above it all and just has done very fabulous mm. it's just it's amazing what kids can do mm. you've seen lives turn around oh know, absolutely many, many lives absolutely we've recently had an opportunity we have started working with child protective services and we're doing a program that's called um, differential response and there's a lot of calls that go to child protective services that they cannot respond to it's outside of their realm of right, what they do right. But a lot of those families really need help, and so they started working with the family resource centers and giving them referrals to these families that they weren't going to respond to but needed some kind of support. And so they started going out to these families' homes, and they started finding lots of issues with teenagers and lots of stuff with runaways. So they came to us and said, will you partner with us and take these referrals? Mm -hmm. So we said, okay. So we started going out to people's homes, and that's something I've never done before, knocking on doors and kind of tracking them down versus them tracking us down. <laughs> and it has been an amazing thing to mm. get out to these kids' homes and these people's homes and to interact with the family in their own home setting and try to do some early intervention to prevent the runaways, to prevent the crises, you know. And, and so that's been an absolutely amazing thing to watch kind of roll out. That front-end mitigation often works a lot better than yes. trying to fix it on the other end. Absolutely. You know? Is there a Absolutely. common thing you find when you go to those homes, Valerie? I'm just, just curious. I, you see a lot of, of, of people that have suffered immensely from some kind of an early trauma, okay. and they don't get over that trauma, whatever it is, whether it's the death of a child or mm-hmm. a parent that's been a drug addict. But there's been something that's happened. The trauma has existed. They're trying to get on with things, and they haven't dealt with whatever that big crisis was. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication and just tiredness and frustration. And, you know, it's just people get tired of trying to to deal with things that they don't know how to deal with. They don't know how to talk about issues and problems. We see a lot of of stuff around um, addiction, lots of families with addiction problems, alcohol and drugs and and the interesting thing is that sometimes in the families, the parents will go into recovery and they'll start getting better themselves, but the kids aren't ready for that. The kids grew up in an addicted family. They liked it when mom or dad let them run the streets and do whatever they wanted. Now mom's cleaned up and trying to set down some rules, and the kids aren't going for it. They've you know, kind of run the show all along, and now mom wants to run it, and the kids aren't having it. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's stuff that's happened over many years' period, period of years and never nobody's ever dealt with the issues 
and just the issues around blended families. Yes, oh, yeah. indeed. You know, the yes. step-parent, the boyfriend, Isn't the girlfriend, yes. the siblings. Mm-hmm. It's just horrendous, the, the struggles that causes in some families. You know, I, I would imagine uh, o- over the years you've had a lot of, you've seen a lot of reactions from, from parents. Uh, wh- what type of, of response do you usually get after the uh, client has been there for eight days or 15 days? Uh, what, what do you hear from the parents? Well, we we actually seek out information from parents. We do a uh, an assessment on the day they get there, the day they leave, and then we do a two-week follow-up. And what we're finding with most of them is that they're very appreciative for the services. They felt like it was helpful. They feel more confident in their ability to parent. Uh-huh. And so when you have confidence, it's a good thing. Yeah. And so... I, Mostly we hear, you know, pretty good things. I'm sure there's some bad things that we don't hear from because those people probably aren't going to answer our calls. People are afraid that we're going to tell them they're bad parents or they're doing something wrong. And you'll never really hear that from us. You may hear that from your the child. The child may say that. Mm. But we believe that people get up in the morning and do the best job that they can given their set of circumstances. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to beat my child today. I think they get up in the morning and they think, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. And they try. And then some point in time during the day, things fall apart. And, you know, if you can't deal with whatever it was that fell apart, it causes a big wound. And, and that wound's got to be healed and addressed in order for people to get past it. And that, that's where the downfall is, is people don't go back and address the hurts and the pain and the downfalls. There's lots of help out there. There's lots of resources out there. Aren't there? Yes, there Hello, is. There, yes. This community is very fortunate. You we have bet. lots of wonderful resources. Absolutely. And thank God for the networking and partnership that Absolutely. takes place within this area. We have listeners uh, right now, Valerie, listening basically all over the world, and we thank God for you, you listeners who are uh, doing that. And uh, I don't know if there are Hutton houses where you may happen to be, but we, we certainly hope that there are. <laughs> You know, and, and uh, l- let me uh, go over the two phone numbers again. The the 24-hour yes. crisis line, 209-526-5544, 209-526-5544. And then if you're interested in, in volunteering or, or donating uh, some information, perhaps you're, you know, listening half a world away and you say, wow, yes. I'd like to know how to do something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe you want to tap some some wisdom from uh, Valerie Thompson, 209-526-1623. 209-526-1623. Again, our guest tonight, Valerie Thompson from the Hutton House. Valerie, what are your challenges? Are there any that uh, obstacles or challenges uh, that you face that you would like to, to share? Sure. The, the challenges deal with dealing with people that are angry and frustrated. Okay. And we've only got two weeks, and that's a short period of time <laughs> when you're dealing with frustration and anger that's built up over a period of years. And so that's a, that's a big challenge, to get parents invested when they feel like they're done. I can't tell you how many people say, they can't come home, I'm done with this child, do something with them. Hmm. And so that's very, very frustrating because that's their child, that's their responsibility. You know, if you don't want to have your child at home, you still have to provide something appropriate mm-hmm. for your child. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really frustrating when parents have given up, where parents have disappeared and just, you know, leave the kids. And then the kids... You know, if my mom and my dad don't want me, then who wants me? Why would anybody want me if my mom or dad don't want me? And that goes through their little heads all the time. A lot of self-esteem issues Absolutely. that you have to deal with, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you can't answer that question to them. Why? Well, I don't know why your parents 
aren't here for you. What encouragement would you give to a child that may be listening to you we, right we now, hope Valerie? To help them find their inner strength and wherever that may man manifest itself, we hope to help them find support systems and people that can be there for them, even if it is not their family, whether it's their church or their friends, school mm -hmm. community or their neighbors, but to find somebody that can help and support them, that can help develop their self-esteem, that will encourage them to do the things that they need to do. And sometimes the best we can do is help a child to learn how to survive in a crazy environment. Mm. It's not too late. No. Mm. It's never too late. Valerie, we've got about uh, two minutes left. What uh, For those parents who may be listening, they're going, oh, man, I've been waiting for this. You know, what, uh, and, and maybe outside the area, what, what encouragement can you give parents tonight? To be patient, to be understanding, to listen. Our kids come in and, and they'll talk for hours if you sit and listen. And just the ability to just get things off their chest. So often as parents, we think we have so much to tell our children and we spend a lot of time talking to them, but they don't spend a lot of time listening to us. And so I always tell parents, if you need to say something important, say it in the first 30 seconds, mm. because after that they're going to, you know, tune out. But what kids really want is someone to listen to them and to hear what they have to say and what they think and what they feel and what they believe. Now, we don't always agree with it, but we certainly can listen to it. And so it's just to take the time for your family. Everything takes time. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago some of them are, are just looking to have dinner around the table together, yes. you know, once in a while. And, uh, you know, with crazy work schedules and commuting and all that stuff, the blending families, uh, oftentimes that's hard to do. But you don't find that out unless you listen a little bit, don't you? Absolutely. You need to listen to what kids think is important mm. in order to know. Mm. You know, that love and communication is the key, isn't it, Valerie? Absolutely. You know, we've, uh, we're, I've been involved with uh, the, our local law enforcement, um, both the Sheriff's Department, Police Department, for quite some time here at ABC. And they keep coming back, especially in talking about the gang problem, that, you know, we can put all kinds of cops out in the street. We could have a bazillion cops out, and they're not going to solve the problem. It's the family. It's the family that's the secret to the success. And I think that's, that's what Absolutely. you're saying. Everybody needs a place to belong. So if they don't Amen. have a family to belong to or a church to belong to or a club or an organization to belong to, they're going to find a place to belong. Sometimes, unfortunately, the street gangs. That's right. Valerie Thompson of the Hutton House, thank you so much for being our special guest here on Lighthouse Life. And thank you, dear friends, for listening in as well. Until next time, good night and God bless you.